0: Hey, can we thank these guys for leading us in worship today? This is great stuff. I am really glad that you are here today, that you are kicking off 2020 the right way, right here at Crossroads, as we learn how to thrive. Is anybody ready to thrive? Are you guys ready to thrive today or no? Yeah? Yeah? Uh, Because here's the thing. I refuse to be labeled as average. Here's uh, something that stuck with me for the last 17 years. In 2003, I was a youth pastor down in Florida. I took a bunch of kids to a big conference down in Houston, Texas, and there was a speaker there named Darrell Scott. He was the father of Rachel Scott, who was the first student that was killed in the Columbine shooting uh, in 1999. And her story is pretty unbelievable. She had kept a journal uh, where she just had prayed, written down things that God was speaking to her, and just some amazing stuff that came out of that story and that tragedy that happened in the Columbine shooting. But one of the things that stuck with me from her journal was she had a belief that God was gonna use her to touch millions of people's lives. And one of the things that she wrote down in that journal regarding her spiritual life, was she wrote in big, bold letters I will not be labeled as average and that's something that 17 years later that still sticks with me I mean here we are in 2020 can you believe it's 2020 by the way I mean my goodness Y2K was just a couple weeks ago right I mean I remember that partying like it's 1999 that's unbelievable we just experienced New Year's all over again New Year's is that time of year where we're all reminded that Carson Daly is still alive and (laughs) some of you thought that was funny I like that some of you are like who exactly now uh, (laughs) As we dive into a new year, my thing is, when it comes to my relationship with Jesus, I do not want to be labeled as average. I do not want to settle. Man, I want to thrive. And It's my goal that for each of us, as we begin this new year, honestly, as we begin this new decade, as we enter the 20s, I think it would be pretty amazing if we just all made a resolution that 2020 is is going to be the year that I'm closer to Jesus than I've ever been. Would you just stop and consider that for a moment? Could 2020 be the year in your life that you have been closest to Jesus? I mean, that's the goal, right? That each and every year we grow closer and closer to Jesus. And the whole idea of this series is what we're, that we're dive, diving into for the next six weeks is this idea of, of developing habits that will change our lives. Because good habits change everything. And if we're able to just develop daily habits that help us grow in our relationship with Jesus, that can truly help us thrive and experience Jesus like we've never experienced Him before. What I love about this idea of habits is habits are part of a progression of of the things that make us who we are. Uh, I love this quote. It says, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, your character becomes your destiny. It's an interesting progression because you realize every little thing along life's way, every choice that I make, every decision that I make, it all adds up. And over time, the habits that we develop really do determine what direction we take in life. Uh, There's a lot of stuff written about habits. There's a book called The Power of Habits that identifies the cycles of a habit. There's the the very beginning of the habit, there's the trigger, there's the cue for the habit that kicks off your habit. There's a cue, then there's, you know, what happens? The habit takes place. And then there's the reward. Okay? So you've got this process, you've got the cue, you got the habit, the response and then you have the reward. Well, what they've identified in all these studies about habits is that you've got to just absolutely not worry about the cue, uh, but you've got to focus on the response, like what is the recurring thing that's happening that's causing your body to get this reward? If you want to change your habits, look at the actual response. Look at what's happening in your life and change that. Change that response. For example, when you wake up in the morning, your alarm goes off. You're the 1130 service, so I know you all groan, and you all are just terribly mortified that the clock goes. Am I right? You guys, you're not morning people here, right? Okay. So the alarm clock goes off in the morning, you groan, uh, you hit the snooze button 10 times, and then you get up, and you make yourself a pot of coffee, and that's your response, right? That's your routine. Well, why do you do that? Because your reward is caffeine, pure caffeine, And it's just most sensational form. Me, I don't drink coffee. I drink Diet Dew. So I start the day with Diet Dew, right? Because it's the drink of champions. Um, So the cue is you wake up. The routine is I'm making coffee because the reward is, ho, 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 boom, I'm awake, all right? Now, there's other cues. There's other routines. There's other rewards. For me, the thing that I struggle with is at night when the day is over, I sit down on my couch, and that's my cue because the routine is go to the freezer and grab some Ben & Jerry's, Tim. And the reward is delicious goodness and being a little fat. That's the reward for eating my Ben and Jerry's. Uh, We all have habits. We all have routines. And what they've discovered is if you change the routine, that's the best way to change your habit. For example, let's talk about this today. The habit we're discussing today is the idea of hanging out with God. The idea of separating time each and every day to invest in the most important relationship you could have. That's your relationship with Jesus. If you're going to say 2020 is the year that I'm committing, I'm going to get closer to Jesus than I've ever been. Well, you've got to start spending time with Jesus. So we talk about the idea of building a habit. How do I change that routine in my life? Well, I don't worry about the cue. I don't worry about the reward. I change the routine. So what does that mean? Well, that means when you wake up in the morning, the alarm goes off, you still get your coffee because you need the caffeine jolt. Boom. But what's the next thing you do? Well, I think a lot of us, you know, grab the phone, check the old Facebook feed, check the Instagram, see what's going on, see what the likes are like. How about this? Instead of doing that first thing, start programming yourself to open your Bible app and read a chapter of the Bible. Or just open your Bible. That's a—that's an actual book with pages and stuff. Um, and, and, and read a chapter of the Bible. Spend some time in God's word. Maybe it's the last thing you do before you go to bed. I'm going to spend time with God each and every day. It's, it's changing the routine. It's being intentional. Because the thing is, a lot of us have, this is what John Maxwell says, a lot of us have uphill hopes, Right? We have dreams of being great and not settling for average and thriving, but we have downhill habits. And so if we change our habits, if we change the routine, we can set ourselves up for success, we can thrive. David talks about this in Psalm chapter 1. We read this in worship. I want to read it again because I want this to be in your mind today. I want want this to permeate your thoughts while we're talking about this idea of thriving today. In Psalm chapter 1, David kicks off the entire book by saying this. Blessed is the person who does not follow the advice of wicked people, Take the path of sinners or join the company of mockers. What he is describing here is everything that is easy. That's just going with the flow, not trying to do difficult things. It's just going with the flow, taking the easy route. He's saying blessed is the person who avoids this path, all right? The person who is blessed, rather than doing this, he delights in the teachings of the Lord and reflects on his teachings day and night. This requires discipline. This requires intentionality, this requires focus, me thinking about the bigger picture. What do I want to accomplish? I want this year to be the best year I've ever had with Jesus. That means I've got to spend time with him and in his word. So he's saying, this person delights in the teaching of the Lord, reflects on his teachings day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams, a tree that produces fruit in season and its leaves do not wither, and whatever it produces thrives. I love that word picture. That's the difference between good, better, and best, right? You can settle for average. I'm good enough. I guess I got this, or you can even make a move to to be better. But how about thriving? How about being the best you could possibly be at following Jesus this year, developing the best relationship with Jesus that you've ever had right now, by just choosing to change some habits, some routines in your life, because good habits change everything. So let's talk about this for a second. The idea of hanging out with God, of spending time with him. This is not like a revolutionary idea. In fact, I would guarantee if you've been at church at all in your life, you've heard this challenge. You need to spend time in God's word. You need to spend time praying, talking with God, spending time with him. These are not revolutionary ideas. And yet, you guys, if we just put them into practice in our daily lives, it would change everything. That's why I'm challenging you with something very foundational and very basic right out of the gate with this series. If you want to thrive? if you want this to be the best year you've ever had in your life with Jesus? Separate yourself from the chaos. Make some time for God's word in your life. Create that space. Be intentional. Make time for God's God's word each and every day. Jesus speaks to this idea of priorities in Matthew chapter 6 when he says, Don't ever worry and say, What are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? Everyone is concerned about these things and your heavenly father certainly knows you need all of them. But first, be concerned about his kingdom and what has his approval. What he's circling is, it's got to be God first. This has to be my highest priority. Don't get caught up in all the distractions and worries of life. Seek God, seek his kingdom, seek his approval. Make that the most important purpose and goal of your life and then you will experience him like you've never experienced him before. You'll experience life to the fullest. You'll be living into the purpose and the plan that he has for you. You'll see him moving and working in ways that you've never experienced before because you are creating time to focus on him. He's here, he's working, he's alive. You just have to carve out the time to spend with him to experience that fully in your life you just got to change that habit. You've just got to change that routine. He says this, you do this, be first concerned with his kingdom and his approval, then all these other things will be provided for you. It's God first. Everything else will take care of itself. Don't worry about the distractions of life. Seek God first. Seek the things that have his approval. It's a powerful concept. It's basic. It's foundational. But it's powerful. And I'm just challenging you today. If you're willing to put that to practice in your life, it changes everything. listen. God's word is alive and it is powerful. It speaks to your very soul. When you take time to read God's word, this is God's word for you. It's your map for life. It's, it's got everything in your, in, in, your, in your hand that you need to know Jesus and live the life that he's called you to. And everything that's in this word is for your benefit. God doesn't give you the Bible to say, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. I'm taking all the joy and fun out of life. No, 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 no. This is how you live life to the fullest. Everything in God's word is beneficial for you. God wants you to thrive. He's saying, hey, I've given you everything you need. Just carve out that time and spend it with me. In in Psalm 119, David writes this about God's word. He says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Consider that. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, here's the thing. Those lights were supposed to go out. Don't freak out. Okay, Don't freak out. Now consider this for a second, because this, this is a powerful word picture that David creates for us. When he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, he's pointing out the significance that comes from having this light that lights your path. Now listen, that light was pointed up at my face when I turned it on, and it blinded me. It was just painful right there. My eyes are just searing in pain right now. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I did get blinded, and I do see like a lightsaber across my, my vision right now. But let's think about this for a second. God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. When I think about God's word as being for my benefit, there to guide my step and lead me in the path of Jesus, to help me know him and to become more like him and live into the purpose and plan that God has for me, I've got to take that seriously, right? Ooh, With a lamp in the middle of the darkness, I can jump off the stage and onto the subwoofers. How cool is that, huh? Ooh, And all the way down to the carpet. At 42, I've still got it. I've still got it. Tom Brady does not, but I do, I do. (laughs) When I'm using the light to light my feet, I can see where I'm going, Tim Hogue, (laughs) how you doing, buddy, Mark Davis, Oh, I saw on the very edge of the light, Aaron Schrock, you know what I just realized, John Hogue's right here in the front row, that is half of your city champion softball league right there. City softball league champions. Give it up for those guys. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. And me. I was on that team, too. I was on that team, too. And so was Ryan. Ryan Stroop was on that team. But I wasn't there for the championship game. That's why they won, okay? When I am lighting my path, I can see where I'm going. And that's what God's word does for me. It protects me. It guides me. It's for my benefit. Do not forget that the devil, he's trying to steal your joy. He's trying to kill your spirit. He's trying to destroy your soul. When we talk about the idea of thriving, man, he hates that. That's the last thing he wants you to be doing is is thriving. He doesn't want 2020 to be the best year you've ever had with Jesus. He wants exactly the opposite. So that's why I think we have so many distractions to face. I think that's why Jesus in Matthew 6 says, Hey, stop worrying about the distractions of life. You've got to focus on God first. Because the devil going to do everything he can to throw those distractions and to keep you from living into the purpose and the plan that God has for you. God's word is a lamp to your feet. It's a light to your path. It reveals God's plan for you. It protects you. It guides you. I just ask you to consider making this part of your daily routine. Really, truly setting aside time to spend in God's word. Because the promise is in God's word, when I draw close to God, he draws close to me. That's a powerful promise. And God's word is alive and active and powerful. It speaks to my soul. You are missing out. You're settling for average when you don't set aside time to spend in God's word. Make time for God's word. Well, here's the next step. I think not only do you have to make time for God's word, but you have to meditate on God's word. What does that mean? Again, in Psalm 119, which Psalm 119 is the star chapter today. Psalm 119, Jesus, or, uh, David writes, Oh, how I love your teachings. They are in my thoughts all day long. When someone says, I am meditating on God's word, there's not something, you know, deep or mystical about this. It's as simple as what David just described right there in Psalm one nineteen ninety seven. 97. Oh, how I love your teachings. They are in my thoughts all day long. It's simply a love for God's word, what he's trying to speak into your life, and keeping that at the front of your mind. Thinking about what you are reading in God's word every day. Not just reading it and forgetting it going on to the next thing, but really taking time to consider that when you're driving to work, when you're walking around the house, when you're just randomly doing things that you don't think about. You can think about, what is it that I read today? How does that apply to my life? What is God trying to teach me? And allowing God to use that scripture, that word, to mold you and shape you into who it is that he wants you to be. That's a critical piece of the journey. It's meditating, truly thinking about and having a love for God's word for you. It's the lamp for your feet. It's the light for your path. It's the the guide for your life that points you to Jesus. It is for your benefit. Meditate on it. Think about it. Embrace that truth that God has for you. I love that. What you see in in the life of Jesus, especially in Matthew and Mark, you see that there are multiple times in Jesus' ministry on earth where he would be surrounded by crowds, he'd be performing miracles, he'd be teaching the people the principles of the kingdom of heaven. And when he was done teaching, he would send everyone away and he would withdraw himself to a solitary place where he could just meditate. Where he could meditate on God's word, where he could seek God in prayer and just spend time With God. If that's a discipline and a habit that Jesus set for us as an example to follow, we should be mindful of of following that example and putting that to practice in our lives. If that was important to Jesus, it shouldn't be important to me. I want to challenge you. Are you meditating on God's word? When we talk about praying, we we are, I think we miss out a, a lot of times on praying through what God is trying to speak to us and teach us when we're diving into scripture. Here at Crossroads, we've got a, a four-letter acrostic that spells pray that kind of helps us define prayer. Prayer is, is P, Prayers is a praise, that's acknowledging who God is that there's no one like him that he's the king of kings and Lord of lords it's the acknowledgement of what we see the picture in Revelation where there's all these powerful and angelic beings gathered around the the throne of heaven the throne of God and in the presence of God all these angels and powerful beings all that they can do is bow down before God and say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come that's all they want to do 24 hours a day 7 days a week for all of eternity that's how holy and amazing and awesome God is so we've got to give him praise we praise him for his creation that he's the lord of lords that he's the king of kings that there's no one like him we have to give him praise well we also present our prayers of request to him when i'm broken when i'm hurting when i need healing i present my requests to god my petitions i ask him for his help for his wisdom for his guidance in my life that's part of praying there's also the prayers of appreciation that's a that's my thankfulness that's me being mindful of the fact that no matter what situation i find myself in there's always something to be thankful for. God has always blessed me with something, and I need to be thankful for what it is that he's doing in my life. Finally, you have these prayers that yield, and that's what I want to focus on right now, because when you are making time for God's word in your daily life, when you're taking time to meditate on that, you say, oh, how I love your word. I think about it all throughout the day. That includes praying about it, yielding, yielding to what God is saying to you. When you realize you've read a scripture and the the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you're really feeling convicted, you realize, man, God's calling me to be obedient in this area of my life. He's calling me to surrender this area that I've been holding on to. Those are prayers that yield who you are to Jesus. Those are prayers that are filled with surrender. And when you're praying prayers where I am surrendering to God anything that he's speaking to me, that he wants from me, those are the moments where you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Those moments of, of surrender are sacred and they are sweet. That's when your relationship with God comes alive. That's when you begin recognizing he is molding you, he is making you into the person that he longs for you to be. That you are living into the purpose and the plan that God has for your life. It's making time for God's word, but it's taking time to think about it and to process it and to listen to his voice, to be obedient and surrender and just yield. God I want to be like you. Whatever it is that I'm holding on to that you want, I give it to you. And it's in those moments of surrender, man, God meets you where you're at, and he becomes more and more real, and you begin living life more and more fully as he anticipates and wants you to be living. Life to the fullest. So it's making time for God's word, it's meditating on God's word, and finally, here's the kicker, one that people wouldn't, I think, think about, but it's the idea of memorizing God's word. Let's think about this for a second. The idea of of applying scripture to my life, but also memorizing it. If there's a promise in scripture that is beneficial or meaningful to you, memorize it. Write that on the tablet of your heart, is what it says in scripture. Own it, so that when those times of trial come, that is actually what overflows out of your heart, is scripture. I love what David writes, again, in Psalm 119. Here's the thing about Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest Chapter in the Bible. If you were going to read one chapter a day in the Bible and you thought that was a daunting task, start with Psalm 119 because it's all downhill from there. It's easier after Psalm 119. 176 verses. Here's the kicker though about Psalm 119. Every one of those 176 verses in Psalm 119 speaks to the love and the wisdom that we find in God's Word. Every single verse references the greatness the holiness and the power of God's word. This is what David was in love with, was the word of God. He sought the word of God. He wanted that more than anything else. He was the man after God's own heart. He wasn't perfect, but think about how his thoughts became words, his words became actions, his actions became habits, his habits became his character, and his character formed his destiny. David was known as the man after God's own heart, and he loved the word of God. That's the thing about habits. They actually work both ways. Your habits do determine your character. But how about this? When you decide, I'm going to uh, create a habit in my life where I focus and spend time with God and in his word. Well, that changes your thought life. You start, you start thinking about the things of God. I'm meditating on the things of God. I'm thinking about him and his kingdom and what has his approval. That changes my thoughts. It changes my words. It changes my actions. That reinforces the change in my habits. It's shaping my character. It's shaping my destiny. Habits are powerful. And good habits change everything. That's why this is so critical. And so when it comes to this idea of memorizing scripture, here's what David writes in Psalm 119. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's powerful. It's simple, but it's powerful. Would you say that with me out loud? He wrote, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let's do that one more time. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Spoiler alert, this is the verse we're asking everyone to memorize this week. So you're halfway there. You've already said it twice, and it's only one sentence. All right, we've got this. I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. I'm telling you, when you write scripture, the word of God, on the tablet of your heart, that changes things. It changes you. That's what overflows out of you when when things get tough. I love how Jesus, after he was baptized, he went out into the wilderness and just fasted. He was alone and fasting for 40 days before he began his ministry. And so he's in this weakened state at the end of 40 days of fasting. He's preparing himself for this three years of performing miracles and teaching the crowds before he was to be crucified and then buried and and be raised again to life. I mean, this is an extraordinary moment in his life, preparing him for his ministry on earth. And just before it's over, this time of testing happens, where the devil himself comes to test Jesus. Out in the wilderness, he's fasted for 40 days. He's famished. The first thing that the devil tempts him with is this. You're the son of God. You have the power to turn that stone into a loaf of bread. Why don't you do that? And Jesus' response is, it is written, man does not live on bread alone but by the word of God. He quotes scripture to the devil. Boom! Point for Jesus. All right? He wins that battle. Then it says the devil takes him up to the top of a mountain and says, Jesus, if you're the son of God, why don't you throw yourself off this mountain because nothing can happen to you. The angels will catch you. God himself will protect you, right? I mean, come on, you can do this. Jesus responds again. It is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Scripture, overflowing out of Jesus. Boom, point two for Jesus, all right? The final temptation. And I think we underestimate the significance of just how difficult this temptation would have been for Jesus. 100% God, 100% man, in his humanity, in his weakness. For the devil to say, I want you to look around over the kingdoms of the earth. I will give all of them to you. You don't have to make a single sacrifice. You don't have to die on that cross. You don't have to suffer at all. It's all yours. If you just bow down right here and worship me. That's a big temptation. But Jesus again quotes scripture. And it says, it is written, you will serve the Lord your God and and serve him only. At which point the devil disappears boom, point three. Jesus wins the match. Every single time he faced temptation, he responded with scripture because there is power in the word of God. It is there for your benefit. It guides your path. It directs you in the ways and the wisdom of God. Do not underestimate the power of scripture in your life. Make time for God's word each and every day. Put that in your routine. Make it happen. Meditate on what it is that God is speaking into you and who it is that he's wanting you to become. Think about it. Draw close to him. Live with with arms open and palms up, fully surrendered to who it is that God's calling you to be. Be obedient to that, because that's where the moments of, of change happen. That's where your relationship with God comes alive and becomes everything that he wants it to be. And finally, memorize scripture. Memorize the promises that are important to you. Memorize the verses that give you strength when you're dealing with a difficult situation or dealing with temptation in your own life memorize scripture, write it on that tablet of your heart so in those moments of difficulty, it is scripture, it is God's word that is powerful and alive that overflows out of your heart. These are the practices that we can begin putting into place in our lives, the habits that we can be developing that help us thrive. And if you're willing and committed to putting these into practice in your life, I'm telling you right now, as simple and basic and as foundational as these principles are, you put these things into place in your life, this sets you up to have the best year you've ever had with Jesus. Make time for God's word, meditate on it, memorize it, love it the way that David did. i want to close by reading Psalm 1 again. Remember, David is opening the entire book of Psalms with this statement. When he says, blessed is the person who does not follow the advice of wicked people, take the path of sinners, or join the company of mockers. Rather, he delights in the teachings of the Lord and reflects on his teachings day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams, a tree that produces fruit in season, and its leaves do not wither. And whatever it produces thrives. The question I ask you today as we come to a close is this. Are you setting yourself up to thrive? Don't you dare settle for average. When it comes to your relationship with Jesus, this is the most important relationship that you can be investing in. And I would like to challenge you, this year, each person here that's part of our Crossroads family, may this be the year that you can look back on and say, 2020 is the year that I was closer to Jesus than I have ever been. I want us to all thrive for this relationship that each of us has with Jesus to be better and stronger than it's ever been. So I want to challenge you today. Make time for God's word. As simple as that sounds, if that's not a habit that you currently are, are, are putting into practice in your life, make it part of your routine every single day. Make time for God's word. Take it to the next level. Meditate on what it is that you're reading. God, how does this apply to my life? What are you trying to teach me? Who is it that you're wanting me to become? Pray those prayers of surrender that yield. And say, God, I want to be like you. And I want what you want. Because those are the moments where he changes you. Those are the moments where you become like him. Memorize some scripture. Start with this scripture in Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Let's live this out. Let's not settle for average. Let's thrive in our relationship with Jesus. And let's see how he shows up and what he does in our lives. Because I believe that when the church commits to taking these kinds of steps in our own personal relationships with Jesus the devil is terrified it's the last thing he wants let's make this the best year we've ever had with Jesus as we close here's my question are you setting yourself up to thrive here's my thing I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward today we're going to close in prayer but here's what I'm going to ask you if the cry of your heart right now if your desire is yeah that resonates with me I want this year, I want 2020 to be the best year I've ever had with Jesus. I am going to make time for God's word. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to memorize some scripture. I'm going to do everything I can to develop these habits that change everything, that make this the best year I've ever had with Jesus. If that's the desire of your heart, I'm just going to invite you to stand with me as we close in prayer. And I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you, that God would just give you the strength and the courage and the commitment to thrive. So if that's the desire of your heart, stand with me now. And let's close in prayer asking God to guide us and direct us and help us become more like him in this year. Jesus, we love you and we thank you and we give you praise in this moment for who you are. We are dearly and we are deeply loved by you. God, help us not take that for granted. Help us to not dare settle for just being average when it comes to loving you and living out our faith. God, give us the desire to thrive. Give us the commitment and the strength to make this the best year that we've ever had with you. God, may this year end with each of us having a relationship with you that is stronger than it has ever been. So God, I ask that you would bless us and keep us, that your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us, that you would turn your face on each of us here today and give us your peace. We love you and we give you praise. We pray this in your name, amen.